Welcome to the one podcast that's rooting for Jerry Krause to win in the last dance. Um, twos and threes, a Utah Jazz podcast. We missed you all. We're back, Doug. Is there any way that in episodes, what are we on, nine and ten, Jerry Krause actually succeeds in trading Scottie Pippen before uh, Michael Jordan rips our hearts out in this season? I, I think it's, I'm still holding my breath. Well, I actually saw a tweet from the famous and almost ready for a blue check mark marcus hincy uh-oh that said um didn't the series end after eight episodes or something <laughs> like that i think um that was maybe was like the 20 minutes ago that, right <laughs> i actually was uh wondering in, in my in my memory maybe michael jordan just retired in the middle of the pacer series to take up golf um but yeah, actually, we'll talk about The Last Dance more because it's actually been really fun, even though the next two episodes are going to give me PTSD. Um, but Doug, how are you? It's been a it's been some time, you know, I, as we were getting ready to do this again, I re-listened to our last podcast, which on like day 11 of me sheltering in place, uh, which started March 11th. And that was felt like a lifetime ago. The things in that podcast, I was like, wow, we were so we were so young and naive at this time. If only we knew. (laughs) Here we are. Oh man. Um, I'm doing well. Um, but kind of feels like we're getting back on the horse or jumping back on the bike, but uh, I'm like, I need some training wheels or something because it's been so long. And I've got like talking out loud, talking out loud in a way that's not on like a zoom call right now. I feel awkward about like here we are podcasting. I feel like I should see your face on Zoom or FaceTime or Blue Jeans or something. Um, but as a quick rundown, because I've been just was thinking about this as we were getting ready to do this podcast, is how just freaking productive you've been in quarantine. So let me give you a little rundown of your of your sheltering in place resume. I don't even know if you guys shelter in place in Utah, but your your Corona resume is pretty stellar. So since we've last podcasted, Douglas, you have won. Um, This is not an order of importance. I think I'm going chronologically here. But one, graduated from college. We talked about um, your makeshift commencement from the Utah State University. Um, It turns out um, your in-laws did it. It was beautiful. Uh, We saw lovely pictures. You look great. Um, Two, not to be outdone by graduating from college, big life event. You had a baby um so i mean your wife had a baby together you brought a baby into this world um baby lydia you're a parent um congratulations pretty good doesn't stop there doug number three um you just got accepted to graduate school at the university of oregon can i get a what what so give me a what 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 Um, what? (laughs) so pretty much you're slaying it um really big things uh cool design program you're gonna make awesome shoes and do all kinds of cool stuff um, at University of Oregon. We're going to have a great, like, new um, Pac-12 rivalry feature of this podcast. And uh, I'm super happy for you. So there's there's you in quarantine. Here's my here's my quarantine resume. You want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> One, um, I shaved the sides and back of my head to look like Uhtred, son of Uhtred from Last Kingdom, or Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of a big moment for me. 
And two, I had a near viral tweet about The Good Place after I finished watching it. So that's kind of me. I think we're about sixes on accomplishments. But um, yeah. I would say everything that you and Kristen have been able to do while having three kids in home constantly. That's pretty impressive. We've survived. It's funny because, you know, our many clamoring um, twos and threes junkies have been like, hey, where's the podcast? You know, every now and then. Like, you should have all this time on your hands. You should be making creative, interesting content. And I'm like, I'm so busy. <laughs> this this, uh, this this quarantine thing has been worse. I mean, we've got like five people on Zoom calls at a time in my house at any given time. And counting the kids and like their school stuff or just them like FaceTiming kids. And, and work's been busy. But you know what? Um, it's great. And I, I feel like I've been running on a treadmill. And I feel like you've been running a the marathon that is life and just uh, advancing so congrats yeah thank you it, it, it's been crazy um but you know we're just we're just going along and a lot of fun stuff to happen w- one great thing about um leaving the state of utah as a jazz fan is an easier way to watch jazz games so. yeah right <laughs> this solves so many problems for you now you can just use my nba league pass login <laughs> yeah we could split the purchase now i don't have go. to illegally uh or well just watch it however i watch i it. mean i'm not making this as any kind of a confession i'm just saying there could be some kind of an arrangement where we're both watching league pass and you hook me up with some sweet nikes down the road when you and phil knight become best friends i i think that's a possibility for sure something like that um well, it's really cool. I also am excited for you to really grow our Northwest um, fan base over there. Um, so far, it's just been my brother-in-law, Nate, in Seattle. Uh, and I know he, he uh, pubs us every chance he gets. Um, but it's pretty cool. So congrats to you on, on just winning quarantine. Um, I think you're winning. We'll talk about people who are doing less good with it uh, later on when, as I have like my Twitter rants. Um, but let's just dive right in, Doug. Because this is a podcast about basketball and the jazz, and there's no basketball being played, or at least not really. But stuff's happening, and uh, let's talk about it. Should we talk about it? Yep, yep. Let's jump in. Segment one. Yay! I think as a service to everyone and sort of tying up loose ends from what we talked about before, not that any loose ends have really been tied up on the subject matter, um, we sort of have to revisit um the most important topic in in jazz fandom which feels like it's just been around the block and back um over the last couple months but give me what's your rudy donovan um situation now do we need a little i mean since we last talked i think here's a couple of key touch points um so i think after we last talked tony jones from the athletic champs tarani and others um posted an article that talked about the situation had a quote of an unnamed source near uh, the players that thought the relationship was unsalvageable. And the rest of the article was a lot more positive. Talked about people in the jazz saying they thought, you know, it was being reconciled. Joe quoted Joe Ingalls, who also was on like, was on a podcast with Sam Amick that I listened to where he's like, look, they're they They'll work it out. We'll be just fine basically. But this one quote kind of got, um lifted and and i think for like you know a few weeks everybody sort of freaked out um then uh donovan goes on fat joe's instagram live feed which can you even believe i just said that (laughs) sentence um 
and basically says like, hey, we're ready to play basketball again. And then so half the people interpreted that as like a positive and half the people interpreted that as a negative because he wasn't talking about it. Um, Rudy Gobert then is interviewed by Taylor Rooks, I think on Instagram live feed as well. Yeah, and he like... says, yeah, he says they've spoken um, and they're good to go. And he said, no relationship's perfect, but we're ready to both win a championship together. And then I think there was some other back and forth, but it all it all climaxed um, with Rudy making an Instagram post of doing yoga on a surfboard, like on a what are those called? A paddleboard, paddleboard in his swimming pool in his backyard with some women who are not sure if it's his yoga instructor, his girlfriend, his mom. Like it was really <laughs> ambiguous from the from the tweet in my mind. Um, and also just like everything about Rudy doing yoga on a paddleboard in his pool is pretty cool to me. I just, you know, that's right up my alley. And, and, uh, and Donovan liked his Instagram post, which I've like embarrassingly confessed to people that I, I, I'm not like the person who's going and looking at all of their social media things to seeing if they've liked it, but I am the person who's relying on other people to do that and go on Twitter to see if other people have told me whether or not they have. And when they did, yeah, I don't know. It felt like, all right, we're getting back to some normalcy here. Yeah, everything's really come full circle. Um, it, it seemed like the whole world was coming to an end. And crazy to think that we haven't had a podcast throughout this whole thing. We we tried once and then the craziness happened. But um, that's true. It really kind of seemed like there was a there was a point where and I mean, and we still haven't had ba basketball come back yet. But there was a point where it was completely over. And now we're back to liking each other's Instagram posts. And it seems like the world has come full circle and, and we're at balance with the yin and yang. Yeah, I think, look, I, the, the one thing, and, you know, we talk about Tony Jones a lot because um, you guys are so close and because he writes about the jazz. And um, people should get that if they've listened to this podcast. But anyways, go go back and listen through every episode until you get that callback joke. Um, but he really has been kind of the steadying voice throughout all this in my mind where he's just been basically the message without this saying this directly has been like, don't be a prisoner of the moment here. Like, and this is the ultimate example of that where things just seemed and felt bigger. It could be that their relationship really is broken. And I, I continue to like my one nervousness about it really is that Rudy went through like a pretty traumatic thing here and nobody on his team really seemed to have his back or very few people. So that could have that could have broken stuff. But it also just kind of feels like life's just going to go back to normal a little bit in that regard um, once it does. And I like we'll talk about this a little bit more, maybe. But a takeaway from the last dance for me, a takeaway from this awesome podcast that David Locke has done about the 91, 92 jazz season for me is that every team has ups and downs and weird relationship things that seem really big at the time. And like good teams, if they play well and like have good, good guys, like they kind of figure it out and it becomes not such a big deal um down the road and then other times it doesn't so so we'll see how it goes but i just want more rudy yoga instagram content and i want more donovan liking it and and then i want them to start making fun of each other again on twitter and, and instagram and then i'll be happy yeah i think what at least the pre-donovan liking rudy picture when i felt like everything was going to be all right was when 
um, Donovan tweeted something, and then Joe Ingles responded and said, hey, respond to my text messages or our relationship will be unsalvageable. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> it's just the fact that they're making light of something like that. Um, it's just, uh, do you know who's really like been the jazz player who's just been the man throughout all of this quarantine thing has for sure been Joe Ingles, who's just like pumping out content like crazy. He like started a podcast. He's on people's podcasts. He's tweeting funny stuff. Um, him and his, him and Renee Ingles are going to have another baby. I mean, he's just really like, you know, putting in work <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I think he's holding the team together. Um, so that's cool. So I, I, I think that's kind of all I have to say about that at this time. Did that sound like, yeah. um, what about yeah, you? I agree. but I, on a related topic, what, like right now, real quick, we don't need to get super into it. What's your, what's your take on whether or not we're seeing NBA basketball again this year? This season, um, not so, like December, there's a new season. I mean, like this, right, this right. 2019, 2020 season. It's so hard to say, honestly, because there's just, it's like, okay, so for example, in Utah, we just switched. So we've never been in a shelter in place, um, but it's been like a highly suggested stay at home order. Um, but things just transitioned into phase two or phase three of normalcy i can't remember how many phases there are where we really are but like groups of 50 can meet together now and like public swimming pools are opening but still six feet apart social distance what (laughs) how does that work do people wrap themselves in shrink wrap when they dive in the pool like i I don't get this concept but full body i don't know dry suit anyways but it, so, but, and then when I heard that, I was like, really? I don't know. It seems kind of quick, but. We're at phase zero at, here at the in time, the Bay Area, so but, but that's all right. Yeah. It's just hard to know. I mean, so many different parts of the country are affected in different ways. So it's hard to say when the NBA will come back. But I, I was listening to a Chris Paul interview, and he's the president of the NBA Players Association. And all he said was that we all really want to play yeah. this season and finish it. So I think the fact that they want to play will, if there's, if there's a chance to play, then I think they'll go for it. But at the same time, it's so hard to say because anything that you do without really a vaccine is, is taking a chunk of risk. Right. Yeah. So do you know what? No, I'm optimistic too. And I do think lately the vibe has been that they want to play. And, and before there's been some stuff like certain players being like, no, it's not worth it. But here's the other thing, Doug, just bottom line. There is so much money to be lost if they don't play at all. Like so much TV money. And there's all kinds of articles out there giving the specifics, but players, owners, people associated with the team will just lose a lot, a lot of money if they don't figure out a way to play. And I do think you know, players like a Chris Paul who are like, I don't have that many more chances left want to play. And I think also as it's gone on, I mean, this is the vibe in my household or at least I'll speak for myself. I'm done with this. Like I'm, I'm a believer in everything that we should be cautious and, and, and everything that's going on, but it's just, you know, just mentally, I'm not making any kind of a sort of medical or political or anything statement there other than just like it's been exhausting and i'm ready for some some kind of normalcy and i think everybody kind of feels that way i mean i think people have felt that way from the beginning but it really feels like in the last couple weeks there's been a shift of that 
just kind of general feeling. And I think the NBA players and people around it feel it too. And I'm, I'll just say I'm all for any form of basketball that they can give me. I think I would, I would have so much fun watching them play in a small empty gym that was mic'd up when we could actually hear them talk. I don't know if the NBA would be willing to do that, but that would be amazing. But you know, I, I would, I'd watch anything. I watched Mike Conley play horse and we'll get to that. But like, I mean, I'd watch anything like, and if the, whether it's single elimination, I hope it's not, um, but, or it's best of three or best five, whatever. I, I just, it would be, I, I think they're going to, I'm encouraged that, that some kind of solution, like everybody goes to Orlando, Orlando or Vegas or somewhere and lives in a, essentially a bubble for a couple of weeks while they play Disney for playoffs. World. Disney World. Yeah. Um, which has been kicked around. Um, I think, I think is going to happen and I hope it does. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, well, I, I mean, that's that's really what I hope. I guess it's just so hard. Yeah, I mean, the, like the, the the collective like mood in the in the sports news media for the likelihood of it changes so drastically from day to day. It's like following the stock market right now. Um, anyways, things shift a lot on like one story, but I think right now it feels it feels more or less optimistic. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the one basketball. Oh, sorry. Did, did you have another thing on that? Nope. I was just going to say maybe we should hit on the one current basketball thing that's going on. <laughs> exactly. The last dance, Doug. So I made a joke about Jerry Krause. Um, I, honestly, he I'm not a Jerry Krause fan as a result of this, um, but it's just kind of funny. But uh, how's it been? What, what are your takeaways from the last dance? I think it's been awesome to watch. It's been really fun. Yeah, honestly, I've. I've learned so much. Um, really, kind of growing up as a basketball fan, my the only thing that I can remember of watching Michael Jordan is, other than highlights, is Space Jam. So, it's I don't know. It's like I've always in my brain just watching LeBron. I think how could anybody be a like a better basketball player than LeBron or a better all around player and being able to kind of jump more into Michael Jordan's career man I just think it's nuts there's so many things that like timeline wise that I didn't really understand like the first retirement after 93 and then the second retirement after 98 always in my brain it was just like I I thought he retired after 98 to play baseball I don't know I was really didn't have any sense of time in that and was confused when space jam really happened so i've really just seeing that six straight full seasons in a row michael jordan won the championship like full the full season that he played that's pretty ridiculous it's it's know. insane here's the thing i'm i'm sadly this is our 10-year gap in age but i'm sadly really familiar with this timeline <laughs> this is this is like yeah, but so I'm going into this, I'm like, oh, this is going to be hard to relive. And I just listened to David Locke's podcast, which I'll plug it once again, which is an oral history of the 91-92 jazz season, which is really fun, which is kind of like the beginning of my real jazz memory. I've a little bit more earlier than that, but that's kind of like me becoming really aware of it in the in that year in the in the sort of early to mid 90s. But the whole Jordan thing, I, I mean, I just thought I'd watch this. 
a there was all this this like rumor and kind of buzz around oh this is like this is going to show like this other side of jordan that's going to make him look like a jerk kind of and like oh like he's been sitting on these tapes and one of my favorite sub stories is like there's like this clip of uh of jordan dunking on charlotte and or sorry of lebron like dunking on charlotte in the playoffs from a few years ago and it's like a meme of Jordan like being like release the tapes or whatever because like people were starting to think hey maybe LeBron's the best player ever um but <laughs> honestly Doug I, I mean he's the ultimate sports villain I, I mean I said this about Kobe too before but Michael Jordan truly is the ultimate sports villain for me and I uh, I just cannot help but love him even more uh, but love him watching this and I th- I don't think anything has been that unfavorable to him and i it's kind of, you know, obviously it's also written in a way that could be a puff piece, but it hasn't really been that either. I, to me, what you said about the six things that the biggest thing from that time period, and to me, it's the difference between him and LeBron is just, it was inevitable with Jordan. It felt like that as a fan of another team, as a fan of the other team, two, two years in a row, of course, I always felt like hope. And I thought we had a chance. And when I rewatch it, Doug, if, you, if I watch the 1998 game six again, when Stockton hits a three with 40 seconds left to put the Jazz up by four, I think we're going to win every time. I still think we're going to win. But um, it just felt like Jordan was like John Wick, you know? It felt like Jordan was like just this movie villain who just couldn't be defeated. And that's how good he was. And the, from a skill level, athleticism, everything. And the fact that he totally has like reinvented himself as a player from the first run to the second run where he basically like was this athletic freak and he always was but in the in the last three championship runs he was like operating out of the post and he was like the most lethal post player as a shooting guard ever and um i don't know uh he i said a couple of years ago that in the space jam test and i don't want to steal bill simmons thing here but like you know if aliens were coming um and gonna play us in basketball and we had to pick the best five players in their prime ever like lebron would be the first one just because he's so big and he's perfect but the truth of the matter is i'm i don't want to be swayed by this but this i feel like this more just jogged my memory and i'd pick jordan because jordan would figure it out i mean i pick lebron second and i i think there's an argument that lebron is at his apex is better at basketball than anybody ever just from a skill perspective but the Jordan is still the greatest player of all time um, just because like, you know, basketball evolves and stuff, but he, he was so good. And I love the way, like in the last episode when him and Steve Kerr have that fight, have you seen the last one? Yeah. I have. Yes. Him and Steve Kerr have that fight. And then he goes to the locker room and he, he's like, I felt like this big because I punched the smallest guy. And then he called Steve Kerr and the, the whole thing. I think that was one of the things that was supposed to make him look like a jerk to me. I was like, I play with this guy. I'll put this guy right now. I'd love this guy to be on my team. You know, he just cares. Um, and that's like kind of my biggest thing. So I, I'll come back to this one point because this is my subtle, here's my jazz point is that a, another takeaway for me for quarantine is that people really underrate how good Carl Malone was at basketball now. And I think there's a, a, a bunch of reasons why, but it's kind of silly because he was really good and that jazz team was really good. And those finals were so close, especially the 97 one. I think people think more about the 98 one. But the 97 one, I think like four points separated the whole series. Um, but Jordan was, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't touchable. He wasn't human. I don't know. It's been fun to watch. Yeah. It ha- and 
It's been really fun. I didn't know anything about like his gambling and the media coming after him. I never knew that his dad was murdered. I'd that like devastating. all that stuff. Yeah. I was able to, on that point, I, I knew his dad was murdered and I knew about the gambling. And in my mind, there was more of a link there. And the way they showed it, that where really all evidence does kind of point to the fact that he was just, it was like a random uh, act of violence was all the more devastating. And the fact that people were linking it to gambling and maybe it was related, who knows? But um, I thought that that was pretty fascinating. The whole thing's anytime I sometimes have this. Uh, like back and forth relationship with documentaries because so many of them are so agenda driven and they sometimes they feel a little condescending or sometimes they're just boring. And the perfect one to me is something like this, where it's just like a subject matter that I'm just interested in. And I, I would just watch clips of these guys talking in practice for uh, right now uh, for hours. Like, I just think it's fun. Um, but there's yeah. also been a lot, a lot of interesting tidbits to learn from it too. Totally. And also, I guess one last thing is I always, at least from my memory, he was, he's way worse at baseball than he really was. He's, he was, he was pretty good. Yeah. If people, if you haven't watched the 30 for 30 about his playing baseball, it's really good. I'm not sure if those are all still on Netflix now. Um, But I I thought that too. And I watched that a few years ago. um, And I, it, it gave even more of an impression that he actually was like really like they say he hit 200, but I think he really like turned it on the last couple of months. Um, yeah. it's a, that's a fascinating thing that, that he went and did that. And I'll say the, the biggest takeaway for me for this, and I didn't appreciate this before is just really how ridiculous it is to me. I mean, it's ridiculous that Jerry Krause wanted to break up this team. Like, why would you possibly think, We've won six championships in our, the last six full seasons with this guy on the team. Wow. Let's let's break. Let's tell the coach at the beginning of the season that he's done after this year. That's like it's it's preposterous. I mean, the guy did a good job building a team, I guess. But after that's like in basketball, where like having the best player has led to the most championships of any any other formula. Is is un, it's unbelievable that Michael Jordan. Re- basically was like weirdly forced into retirement that time it's yeah yeah that was something i never even knew who jerry Krauss was before this and he is like the ultimate document documentary villain in this yeah but yeah it's just ridiculous i don't even and how he could say mid-season like no matter what phil jackson's not coming back like to the press i don't know that's just weird yeah pretty pretty ridiculous but i thought like i'd heard stories about like the tony kukoc thing without the full detail and like scotty pippen is a pretty sad you know a lot of sad stuff around i don't know the whole thing's really fun if people aren't watching it like what are you doing i don't know like uh, you should watch it um it's been really good i i I don't know about these last two episodes doug it's gonna be it's gonna be tough i just need them i need them to be like hey by the way uh, Howard Isley's three-pointer should have counted and uh, Ron Harper's shot shouldn't have counted. They don't even need to tell me that Jordan pushed off, but the two Dick Bavetta shot clock just epic fails from game six of 98. Uh, I just want to I want to mention. I want to throw away a mention, but I don't think I'm going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll see. <laughs> All right. 
anything else on the last dance? No, I don't think so. It's, it's been a fun watch. Hi, uh, highly recommend. Yeah, it's really good. Sandman 2. <laughs> Yay! Well, uh, Doug, that's I kind of wanted to talk about just because things have been... Um, I've alluded to a couple of these things, but, they, you know, there's just been so much weird time it's like i've gone through phases where i haven't even wanted to go on like twitter because it used to be my escape and now it's just kind of sad um but i'm also getting news through there often and then other times where i'm still looking for some escapism and there's been some fun stuff so i wanted to give a couple of the funner things uh that are out there if you're a jazz fan and also a couple examples of just the ridiculous things people are saying with too much time on their hands so right do you have any like kind of favorite um or jazz content that you've been into during this time yeah yeah so and we had texted about this before but there's jeremiah jensen and i can't remember well one sec i've got it right here actually um his name's adam at prodigy jf he puts out a lot of early jazz videos too oh i don't think i've seen him uh, yeah um it's been so like obviously we've said ten year age gap between the two of us. So really, my earliest jazz memories are like right when the jazz got Darren Williams. Um, I I remember that draft and just kind of that um, Rocky Mountain Review and those times, and then everything from there on. And so it's been really fun to see like the old powder blue jerseys go around and it's so i don't know it's so interesting to think of how much the the league and the game has changed in just i don't know 15 years where i mean there's just so much post play and like it's not right only memos shooting threes i don't know darren williams shot the occasional three too but it's just so crazy to think how much like the jazz now they have their blender offense and everything and but they rely so much on the three and on dunks and it's just so interesting to see what the uh, like people with post moves <laughs> you know uh, it's funny because i i miss that a little bit yeah you know it's it's fun to watch but it's also like otherwise the offense is a lot harder to watch back then you know what i mean just because the spacing yeah. like if they could somehow just have some more post stuff with people spacing in the three-point line but you are like those like the 90s games like those jazz bulls things half those are in the 70s like it it's it's brutal like how slow and methodical and and like how low scoring they are yeah can i can just to amend to add to what you're saying can i there there was one hot take that i thought was ridiculous and we were going to talk about stupid hot takes too yeah but um, with that, with the low-scoring jazz games, someone was saying that how LeBron's competition was so much better than Michael's, to where the Warriors scored 51 points in a in a quarter, and the Jazz scored 54 points in a game. <laughs> so stupid! But it's like the game has changed so. The much. game's changed so much. I, this is what I'll say: You make such a good point there because. Something I, I hope that this last dance thing, I don't know if it's having this effect or not because Jordan is just dominating everybody, but I lived through those times and I know that the athleticism gap between then and now is insignificant. Like there were amazing athletes playing out. Now they're 
I think basketball players as a whole are more skilled, nutrition, all this stuff is better. But I grew up, Doug, kind of thinking like 80s basketball was like, yeah, but the Celtics had a million white guys and like, you know, people played slower then. And and then there was this amazing Celtics Lakers documentary um, that ESPN did that came on like a couple of years ago, maybe or a year ago. And I watched that and so many of the guys who I'd seen at the end of their career. So like Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, where I just saw them like as old guys and just thought, oh, they were never that good. Watching like a ton of footage from them in the in the mid 80s. I was like that Lakers team was athletic enough to play right now. They'd have to figure out some three point shooting. But James Worthy, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, Magic Johnson running the break was like would be the most athletic team in the NBA right now. And so all this sort sort of thing, it's like dumb. There's always like, look who was guarding MJ. It's like a Dan Marley or Danny Ainge. It's like those guys were good. <laughs> those guys were good athletes. I realize those are white guys, but they were not the normal white guy. Like, and then it's like there you can easily find a picture of JJ Barea guarding LeBron James in the finals. It's just a silly argument to be like there was no competition then. I do think the NBA is deeper now, uh, but I also think. LeBron has like more good players on his team than MJ had on his team because of that. So yeah. I, I, I just think that is kind of a silly, um, it's hard to compare eras, but it's not like, like comparing the fifties or the sixties to now is one thing, but from the eighties on the league's overall level of athleticism has not shifted all that, all that much in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's been it's been pretty crazy. Do you as well? Oh yeah. So so I'll give you my couple of good things, and I you, I uh, totally echo the Jeremiah Jensen at JJ Sportsbeat thing. He's just been in like the KSL vault, pulling out awesome interviews, stuff with like Frank Layden, um, stuff with just there's like Jim Nance being taught how to shoot a three pointer by um, Daryl Griffith, which is amazing. But then just like all these game clips from playoffs throughout the late eighties to early two thousands to now. And it's really fun. I mean, there's just been so many fun, fun things in there. I, I will say it's driven me down a few rabbit holes, Doug, where I've refreshed myself of all the ways that jazz managed to blow it in the nineties besides 97 and 98. And even thereafter, like I, I forgot how much they dropped off the last two Stockton Malone years. The team was just kind of depleted, but like 99, 2000, Doug, they played in the playoffs. They beat the Sonics in the first round and lost to the Trailblazers in the second round, who then lost to the Lakers in like a game seven, I think, like a really close one that they they probably should have won. And in it's like in that playoffs, the Jazz, every time they scored, every time they held the other team under like 85, they won. And if they didn't, they got blown out. Like the offense was like really, really down. But they were up by like four with like a minute left against the Blazers, the Scotty Pippen Blazers in in the last game of that series and uh really choked it away and i forgot i'd kind of blocked it out of my mind my guy brian russell whom i love missed two foul shots and there was like interview with him afterwards where he was like saying that somebody was throwing stuff behind the basket right as he was shooting <laughs> it was like i don't know it was kind of a fun uh, huh. but sad like controversy to revisit um so i'd say those and then once again i would just say if you like the jazz um which I feel like is a safe assumption if you're listening to us now at minute 36 of this podcast, 
listen to David Locke's oral history of 91, 92 Utah jazz season. Cause it's got a lot of good stuff. It's really fun. It's like four episodes of a podcast or five or six or something, but it's really, really good. Um, let's go with some crazy stuff that we've seen, Doug. Uh, can I, I, yeah, I set this up. up as two things where, um, maybe this is going to turn out dumber because I didn't have enough. I didn't prepare as much as I was hoping, but it's, this is two truths and a lie. So I'm going to read you three tweets. I have two sets of them and I want you to tell me which one's made up or which one's like been altered. Um, Cause this is just, I've just seen so many ridiculous things. Um, okay. So the first one, um, this is by a respected person on Twitter. And I'm, I'm going to give you that kind of intro for all of them who, who the tweets from. And it's responding to somebody's tweet that said there are blank current players um, that are, sorry, that are in the or have a shot at being in the top 10 of all time when it's all said and done. Okay. They're, okay. So they're asking how many current players have a chance to be all 10. And this person who we both follow responded and said six current players, LeBron, Curry, Durant, Luca, Trey, and Kawhi, all locked. Oh, you know, have a shot. Oh, yes. And <laughs> all right. So we can get. I'll give you all through. But obviously, my qualm is like, good grief. Oh, Trey Young has zero chance of being top ten all time. Okay. Um, here's here's the other one. Um, top five centers. Um, this was retweeted by a sports a sports writer. Uh, we both all top five centers right now one ad two Embiid, three Jokic, four cat five jonas okay this is also okay. put out and then here's a, a prominent sports writer who wait said, who is the fifth one exactly <laughs> jonas as in i i like honestly my, my first reaction was jarevko uh, no, Valanchunas, Jonas, Jonas, Valanchunas. Oh, oh. <laughs> but as I read it, it looked like Jonas to me. I was like, Jonas, the Jonas Brothers, Jonas Jarebko. All right. And then the third is, if we are really going to say who would and wouldn't be as productive, I talking about today's NBA, I give you Carl Malone, the classic power forward who, have, who would not be able to guard and his skills would have had to dramatically evolve to play now. All right. Which one's the lie? The lie is the second one. Um, no, the lie was the first one. Oh, uh, really? But only because I altered one guy's name in there. <laughs> what, did someone of... really say Trey Young? Someone really said Trey Young, and they said Zion instead of Kawhi. Um, oh, gotcha. So, you know, these are aren't even the spiciest things ever, but they're all all touch on topics that have irked me to no end. Um, so, first of all, we'll just dismiss this quickly, but. I, I am like, I really think Trey Young has a chance to be a nice player. For Trey Young to be all time, top 10 all time, he would have to be better than Steph Curry. I'm just going to put that as like the first bar that he will never be better than Steph Curry. I just, I just don't see a possible world in which Trey Young becomes better than Steph Curry at basketball. That's it. That's yeah. my case. Um, there you go. But it's fair. cute. It's cute. It's fun that people like him so much, I guess. I don't know. Um, uh, well, eventually, McKay Richens will come on the podcast and, and tear me apart for this, I guess. Um, <laughs> that was. <laughs> um, Yesterday was McKay's birthday, by the way. I saw that. I, I, need a, I need a sentiment note. Happy birthday, McKay. We love you. Um, the, second, the second one was legit as written. 
some somebody literally had the audacity to go on Twitter and say the top five centers are AD Embiid, Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, and Jonas Valanciunas. Which, when you said when you said that, I was I thought did he did you mean Giannis or like I I like honestly Conte first of, the first guy that popped into my head after Jonas Jerebko was like, is that supposed to be Vucevic Vucevic yeah. Nicole and then I was like what the heck um, and then the the sports writer who we tuned was like my biggest problem with this is Jonas over Gobert Bam and drummond and i was like honestly we've talked about this ad nauseum if you put if you there are reasoned arguments you could put ad not a center but whatever Embiid, Jokic above him and even carl anthony towns even though i would disagree with you but good grief and Jonas valanciunas is nice but bam out of bio is way better than him like i, I like i much think but anyways so just the people like have taken this as an opportunity to slander my guy Rudy Gobert too much, and I just couldn't handle that. And the last one, I'm going to say this guy's name because he's big enough. It was Doug Gottlieb. It's the stupidest freaking take ever. Carl Malone would destroy the modern NBA. I'm sorry. He just would. He'd probably be a center. I think we've talked about this before, so I don't even talk about it too much. But this this argument is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I, I reject it out of hand. Okay, I I think the that's a good thing to reject. Yeah, Doug Gottlieb just is kind of like a, he's kind of a tool. A, he, yeah, he says ridiculous things. Yeah. All right. What do you got? You got anything? Yeah, I do. Um, so the majority. Well, okay. Two of my three were big during the Rudy Donovan dispute. So okay. Um, <clears throat> one of them is a paraphrase one because i couldn't find the tweet but they're all from twitter not gonna say any of them are reliable sources okay um okay so the first one was um a hot rumor of rudy go a swap of rudy gobert and draymond green that it's this person felt like that that would be an appropriate trade. <laughs> okay. Um, the next was that Kevin Garnett is a better power forward than Cara Malone. Probably having to do with last dance timing. Yeah. Um, and the fourth one was that with a potential Gobert not re-signing, the Jazz should get taco fall to replace him <laughs> wait is this two truths and a lie or are these just three real things that you saw um two and a lie two and a lie uh no well the taco fall is so ridiculous that i feel like it has to be the truth true i don't know what, what was the first one again the first one was a trade for rudy and draymond i think i saw that um but I've also seen this Kevin Garnett thing or uh, different forms of it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say the first one then the, the Draymond trade. Is that, a, is that false? No, it was the taco fall. Oh, okay. like, I'm sure someone said that. I'm sure somebody did. <laughs> I didn't yeah. See it anyway, I, though. I would, I, so I'm not even like, 
my second set, I'm not even going to do two truths in a lie with you. I'm just going to tell you what, what three ridiculous tweets because they build off of the points that you just made. But like, I felt like I could have just gone down Kendrick Perkins' Twitter timeline and just <laughs> tweet after tweet. But like, right. he, did an, he did an all-time starting five of point guard LeBron James, shooting guard Michael Jordan, small forward Kevin Durant, power forward Kevin Garnett, and center Shaq. And Douglas, I love Kevin Garnett. I'm actually like a really big Kevin Garnett fan. But I, my hands are on my temples right now as I'm like waving them, waving them vociferously because it's so ridiculous. Kevin Garnett isn't even the fourth best power forward of all time. What are we even talking about here? I got in this kind of back and forth with somebody about it on Twitter. And it's kind of funny because you, you normally expect these things to get spicy. And I was pretty calmly just being like, like making my argument from a statistical standpoint from error or whatever and it finished and he was like yeah you've made some pretty good points i think you convinced me and i almost fell out of my chair i was like what <laughs> wow i was like thanks man <laughs> but like kevin, Gar- kevin weight, garnett was really really good but like the the difference in the ability one of my things was the difference in the ability to score 24 points a game and 31 points a game um is a lot bigger than the difference from being able to rebound 14 times versus 11 times in my opinion, in terms of value. Yeah. Can I say one KG thing is, and I also loved KG. I love, I loved the season when the Celtics won it all. And KG was just going crazy after the game. And I, I, I was cheering for the Celtics. That was over the heat, right? Wasn't it? Or no, yeah. it was, was it the Lakers? It was the Lakers. Yeah. The Lakers. Yeah. It was the Lakers. Um, I always thought he was like an awesome interview too. Good dude. I feel like since he's retired, he like every interview or talk show that he's in, I like I don't know what's going on with him, but he's just like he always has his hood on and he never <laughs> like finishes his sentence. It's like, kind of his like, yeah, thing. Dog. I just don't like, think he's comfortable talking in front of people. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 Not that Carl yeah, like, the greatest uh, interview ever. But but I mean if you just look at the two of them, like that championship with the Celtics was awesome. Um, I think he was the most important player on that team. I thought he was the MVP of that season. Um, but after that, he's kind of a the second to third best player on a team or just a role player for the rest of his career. It's like 10 years almost. I mean, and not, I mean, it's not quite 10 years, but it's a, it's a large part of the back half of his career. Like their two careers are about the same length. And Carl was just kind of like the best player on his team for 18 seasons. And KG was for like 10 something i don't know uh, I, he, he was really good but i mean i think dirk was better than him at his peak and i think charles barkley was better than him and i think carl yeah. was better than all of them so there you go that's that's my take um but kendrick perkins he was nipping on their heels not um <laughs> the other one that i was just gonna like somebody nba hoops at nba hoops this is a twitter handle nba one hoops and this was their top 10 point cards ever magic isaiah steph curry oscar robinson Robertson, Gary Payton, Jerry West, Bob Cousy, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Steve Nash. Get the hell out of here with this crap was my response to them. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. That's, I don't know. That's just like, you're like deliberately, but it wasn't like, sometimes they do things like that and it's like deliberately pandering. It looked to be self-serious. I I was ashamed. And then I was going to, if I did it as a lot, I was going to do this one where, I mean, so many of these kind of tweets are just getting like old but it's like the one player with the greater than or less than sign and then another player and it's like seen some cap on the timeline had to clear it up rudy greater than 
um, DeAndre Ayton. And I was like, come on, why are we even like talking right now? Oh, gosh. <laughs> and for the lie, I was going to say it was the other way around, but either way, it's just as preposterous. Like, what, what are we even talking about here? That's even in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got, it's like one of those things where if DeAndre Ayton wasn't wearing a Phoenix Suns jersey, I'd be like, who's that guy? Like, honestly. <laughs> totally. <laughs> So it's it's become a bit of a crazy place out there. Um, I don't know if you had any others that you wanted to to share, but it, it's just it's just kind of you know some of it's funny, some of it um, stirs my blood a little bit, but for the most part, yeah, we there's just need real a couple basketball. Of, couple others where it's like the Wizards or the Nets will be aggressively going after Rudy Gobert this offseason or random stuff like that. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. I just think it's silly same all right well um that was a little bit social media but i I do have a funner thing for actual social media segment you want to do that yep hashtag social media um so here you go i'll give you this one um so this this is from this guy at dz ute strong name i guess um andrew he says, as a jazz fan, I'd take a title with an asterisk. This is just coming with like, if they do this season with the shortened playoffs, like, you know, uh, people have been calling it like it could be an asterisk season. Does not matter? So he says, as a jazz fan, I'd take a title with an asterisk. I'd take a title with five asterisks and I would never all cap shut up about it. Crying, laughing face. That said, I wouldn't respect that title for even a second if Houston won it. I would never stop trashing it 100. And I, <laughs> that's exactly, I was just like, my guy, you just, that's exactly how I feel about, that's my life philosophy right there. Thank you. So I thought that was pretty good. I actually, I saw that tweet, but I didn't see, maybe I just didn't read the second half of it. Um, or maybe I saw someone else say something like that, but that is awesome. I didn't see the Houston part. It's really good. For one, Doug, I mean, I'm 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 almost like I've bragged to at least two friends about the Jazz winning the the horse championship over the Bulls um, in quarantine. Um, so like yeah, I would take the, I would take this and run with it. And uh, I've heard a few things like on podcasts where it's like, what would be the most annoying team to win the the finals in the season? And I think it's consensus that it'd be the Houston Rockets, not just jazz fans thinking that. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. And w- one thing super random tying together the earlier part of the podcast, but kind of getting a deeper look into MJ's early career where he was just scoring a ton and he was a scoring leader, but they weren't winning anything. It's like total James Harden esque or even yeah. I guess Russell Westbrook that one season with the, with OKC where he was the only one, but I was like, huh, that's interesting. Just that, you know, along piggybacking off of that, a lesson, a historic lesson that you get from this. And I, people just forget this kind of stuff, but the six championships was such a dominant run. He didn't get to the finals until like his seventh or eighth year. I think eighth, eighth, I eighth. Think. And people just don't have that kind of patience anymore. It's just funny. Like there was, it's, but you also think back then it was like, oh, Jordan can't win. He's just a scorer and stuff. And then he ends up being the consensus best player of all time by the time he's done. It's just, it's just funny how impatient people get in team build, team building. And, and with- totally, it's like, oh, Donovan's played for like three years, and why haven't we gone to the Western Conference Finals yet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so silly, so silly. All right, do you have a social thing? Um, yeah, so there's a video that I am going to retweet, but it's, oh, crap. Well, there's two. 
One course. was a cool video, and it was Reggie Wayne talking about how he liked the jazz. Did you ever see that? No. <laughs> what? How he was a jazz fan because he's from Louisiana. He said he was probably the only um, black jazz fan outside of the city of Utah growing up. <laughs> funny. It's a small club, but I think that's funny. And and he just talked about how he liked Carl Malone, and they were both from Louisiana. But um, And how sad he was watching the two finals versus michael jordan but and i don't know i just thought it was kind of cool reggie wayne supporting huh, the jazz very cool um then the other one it was a video and i retweeted it as well and it was it's just like a highlight clip of the jazz beating the bulls in the 98 season yes and man i mean the jazz have big t carmelone marky and daryl griffith um how did they not go any further? I need a jazz documentary on on the whole build up to the Jazz's two final seasons. I just need to. I feel like there's a lot of history that I don't understand. This is like start with this David Locke podcast, Doug. I'm telling you, the 91 92 season. It's important. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, I mean, that's the one thing. Like, uh, and part of what I said in that thing, Malone versus Kevin Garnett. People don't even remember. I feel like the the Jazz went to five. They went to the Western Conference Finals five of seven years as part of that run where they went to the finals twice. That's a really dominant run. And they lost that Sonics year um, where the Sonics played the Bulls that was in the last episode of The Last Dance. They lost in a game seven to the Sonics on the road by like four, I think. I mean, they were knocking on the door quite a bit. I mean, they lost to the, the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals before they went. I mean, there's a lot of heartbreak in there, but they were always right in the mix. Um, yeah, you... I don't know. It's just kind of a fun highlight video to watch. Yeah, some of those teams are really fun. And I'll also, like, good reminders for me of, like, just like early season MJ versus late season MJ, the different style of play. Malone was that way, too. I mean, if you watch, like, late 80s, early 90s Carl Malone, it's incredible. And then the fact that he evolved his game into being such a good shooter and so efficient. Um, but he just runs the floor. He ran the floor well his whole career, but... I don't know. He was really good. Um, he was really good. And he, you gave two, so I'm going to give one more. Um, just just to put a, one final cap on this, everybody hating on Rudy Gobert. Um, this this thing, it's called Ball Edge Hoops. I don't know. It's got an NBA logo. They, they posted the top career regular season player impact plus minus. It's PIPM. It's, it's like the advanced stat that NBA.com uses. Um, so it's like a supposed to be a better form of plus minus. Since 2000, first Chris Paul plus 0.6.6. Then it's Steph Curry, LeBron James, Draymond Green, Nikola Jokic, and sixth is Rudy Gobert plus 5.71 points. Then Kawhi, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan. If you read that list, the only person on that list that people don't talk about as a consensus top 10 player of their era, if not way higher, is besides Rudy is Draymond Green who I think people underrate and he's just right there. That's the kind of impact he has. I mean, if people... yeah, you went out to bat for Draymond a couple of times on Twitter, I did, which is, which is an uncomfortable place for me. But I also dug, I just remember those. I mean, it's not that long ago. Do, do people remember the, like the first Kevin Durant year there and the year before watching those teams play defense. They were the best defensive teams I've ever seen play basketball, including 
Jordan Pippen Bulls, including the 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 Pistons at their either of their head. They're just the best. They were so good, and he was the best one um, defensively. He was just incredible. So I don't know. I guess I just believe in defense. Some people don't. Um, <laughs> You're probably the only one. No, just kidding. I just, <laughs> um, all right, Doug. Well, let's let's. Uh, it's been it's been fun being back on the horse with you. It's been a little. I feel like my I'm getting my podcast legs under me again, still somewhat. Totally. I started off so slow, and I was like, <laughs> "What do I do?" I People just bear with us. We're getting reps here in in the in the quarantine. Uh, I mean, it's just so good to hear your voice, though. And let's go to a, one last little hand one. I- I just wanted to ask you, um, because this was kind of a big deal that Mike Mike Conley brought a title home for the Jazz in the horse competition. But my overall takeaway from every time I've watched basketball player like the NBA try to create some version of horse, which they did in the All Star break for a little while, and like Rajon Rondo was in it, is just that it's kind of painful to watch. Like, oh man, it was. Can they can horse <laughs> be fixed, or is there something better? For what I just think, like, I play more entertaining horse games in my backyard. I'm, like, sitting right. down. What I want is, like, the old Magic Johnson, Larry Bird commercial where they're playing for a Big Mac and they're, like, bouncing it off the scoreboard. And obviously that's fake. But I just want them to do something creative. Mike Conley kind of did. But it's, like, throw. Th- have you ever played horse and had somebody say, all right, I'm going to throw it in the air, spin around in a circle, catch it, and shoot it? Like, right. What, yeah, what, totally. What, what kind of a weird shot was that? Like bounce it off the ground or something. Sit down and shoot it. I don't know. Just do like weird backyard horse stuff. How hard is this? Yeah, there. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of things that I would change. First off, it's so hard because, um, I guess when you're just like hanging out with your friends or whatever, um, like everyone's maybe a more close skill set or like a similar skill set. But, like, with Zach Levine being so athletic, like, he would just do a really athletic layup or something. And yeah. Mike Conley is ambidextrous, which most people don't know. So the fact that he's shooting with his right or his left, it doesn't really change much. Yeah. So that was – I don't know. That was kind of hard. But I think one thing, there should be um, – and maybe this could be, like, an offshoot of the dunk contest, but just um, a horse of just dunking. I think that could be that would be pretty cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, and I think that there should be a horse with like I don't know how you would even rank this, but just like ultimate trash talkers. That's the everyone thing, was man. like way fun. too nice. It was just awkward. Like horse horse is a track trash talking game. And it was just like, Oh wow, Mike, great job. i think to me that's the biggest thing like when they did it with the all-star in the all-star break a few years ago and rondo was in it first of all it's like why did we pick the least good shooter in the nba to be in this but it'd be like i'm just gonna stand here and shoot this shot now and i'm like this is terrible like if it was like gary payton and uh reggie miller and they were just like talking crap back and forth the whole time it'd be way more entertaining you know that would be kind of fun to see because you know Reggie could still go out there and do it to see like retired players playing horse for real. Maybe like their get ego some of these guys totally... from the, the from the big three. Like <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I it's 
and then okay my last thing is um am i like they need to be in the same I, obviously it was like social distancing people aren't going to go around but at least everyone needs to be in like the same type of a gym totally that, because, that part was kind of brutal because i mean mike obviously was in the nicest gym so obviously he's got the nicest backboard nicest rim and if you've never played basketball that it, one thousand percent affects your shot and yeah so, and frankly i would have rather if they were all in like some crappy backyard hoop because totally. that's just is what horse is all about it's like you have to have like a weird overhanging roof that you can roll the ball off of and try to get it to bounce in or something yeah you know? yeah <laughs> horse in an open gym but yeah i'm with you um nonetheless so i felt like uh, people that were like there was one of the WNBA players who was totally just like on a lifetime hoop and yeah, I mean, the income gap uh, between the two leagues was apparent, which is kind of <laughs> yeah, brutal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it was like... They man. needed Diana Taurasi, though. I'm sure she's got, like, some sweet gym. Yeah, but, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully hopefully it doesn't come to ever having to have it again. <laughs> right. We can just watch real basketball soon. But, all right, Doug, well, it's fun. Well, I, I think one key thing, too, just as a teaser, we have recorded some other content that I'm, I just need to figure out. It's still in post-production with some fun guests. Um, one of which failed and we need to re-record, um, but one of which um, worked. So I'll, I'll try to put some stuff out soon. And uh, I think I'm ready to just get back in the regular routine. So let's, let's do this thing. Boom. I'm all about yeah. it. All right. Well, good job. Congrats on winning at quarantine. Um, <laughs> excited to see what happens. Uh, you know, what's your next big life event? Uh, I don't know. You're going to buy a house? Like, uh, I'm pretty far away from that. Coast. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you're you're doing it. You're winning at it. And uh, good job. Okay. Well, you're the man. Um, you were really the the driver that put us back in back on the saddle. People so... should just check out my Twitter timeline for really good good the good place content. Um, I will say uh, that show really moved me. <laughs> So, what yeah. the, okay so with um so we kylie and i started watching the good place mm -hmm. and then now she's not to bag on kylie in any way she's amazing but she started watching without me so it's like now i'm like oh no and now i'm way behind and if it's there's so a hard to play catch up you know is she into it um yeah oh yeah <laughs> That's a that's a definitely a relationship faux pas. The one time uh, you give it a pass is is when she literally just brought your firstborn child into this world, um, right? <laughs> and probably like has a terrible sleep schedule right now. So I think it's okay. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, so that's what I was just saying that I'm way behind on the good place. Yeah, catch up, two, catch up. But like, then. look, I watched the entirety of The Wire with like Lucas on my chest, like when I was on parental leave. So in the middle of the night which I'm hoping doesn't have long lasting effects on him. Cause that's some pretty tough subject matter, but the good place, <laughs> the good place, like if like Lydia just is around for that, that's probably just makes her funny in the end.